I'm Charlene Yennerfeld, and you're listening to About That Outdoor Job. Switzerland has taken the overall world championship here on home turf. Robert Antonioli takes home the men's championship, and Axel Mollere of France takes home the women's. In the relay race earlier today, we had Italy, Switzerland, and France all on the podium. We've seen it all. There's been surprises. There's been This is Katie Friend, ski mountaineering speaker, summing up the 10th ski mountaineering world championships in the Swiss Alps back in 2019. So what exactly is ski mountaineering? In this competitive sport, participants have to first ski uphill and then downhill. The racers need to navigate courses that can attain up to nearly 2,000 meters in elevation, and they need to pass specific checkpoints. To win, you need to be the first to cross the finish line. Ski mountaineering, or skimo as it's often called, has really soared in popularity with athletes such as trail runners Kilian Journet and Emily Fauchberg taking up this extreme sport during their winter seasons. Back in the summer of 2021, the Olympic Committee confirmed that ski mountaineering would be part of the 2026 Winter Olympics. So Katie, how exactly does a girl from Scotland end up being the official speaker for the International Ski Mountaineering Federation? Completely by chance, quite frankly. (laughs) After travelling solo in her early 20s, Katie returned to Scotland and began working in event management. Eventually, she and her family, with two young children, made the move to Switzerland. At the time, she was a stay-at-home mom. As with many women, you know, I discovered that that really wasn't quite enough for me and there was a new local tourist radio station Mountain Radio Verbier and I just asked them if they needed anybody to be a radio presenter uh, and as, as obvious as that hello please can I be on your radio station so I did that for about three seasons and during that time the International Ski Mountaineering Federation came to Verbier for a World Cup leg now I knew nothing at all about ski mountaineering not a thing. Oh, I knew who Killian Journey was, but that's it. And they needed, very last minute, they needed an English-speaking speaker or commentator to work alongside the French speaker. And on the first day, my boss did it. And the second day, he wasn't available. So he chucked me in at the deep end. And I went and I stood up at Runet in Verbier, right next to the French speaker, and just basically translated everything he said. And it was the vertical race. And it was really exciting even though I didn't know what was happening I could pick up on everybody's excitement and it was outside and it was you know there were people I knew there were big crowds and yeah that they asked me back for the following year because they had their world championships here in Verbier for so for six or seven days I did exactly the same I just stood beside the guy who knew everything and translated what he said and people started saying will you come to Andorra? Will you come and do this for us in other places? And so there I found myself in a career as the speaker for Ski Mountaineering. Who knew? Katie's ability to put herself out there when opportunities come around have repeatedly been a factor in her successes. But does her strong yes mindset always quiet the negative voices in her head? I have to ask you this, Katie. Didn't you hesitate even a little bit before saying yes? If you had given me a written job description of that job, I probably would have walked away. I, well, I don't say probably. I, there, there would possibly have been a lot more hesitation. Oh, well, I don't know. And I've got two young kids. So could I travel? And 
I don't really know much about it and oh my goodness I'd have to be the lead speaker what oh I don't know the people I don't know so yeah but it was just in that moment of course I was on a high from the whole week and I just got that invitation so I was like yeah let's do it what gave you that high what happened during the week that made you think hell yes it was the day we finished on the world championships in Verbier so that's 2015 February March 2015 and not only was I commentating on the world championships live in person I also had a uh, the radio station had set up a like a little booth at the headquarters the race headquarters and two things happened one I got to sit down and interview Killian Journey which was so exciting and he was so lovely and I was super nervous but it was just you know he as I say he's the only person I had known of before I went into this and he's just such an incredible athlete and such a nice man and I got to interview him and then as I was leaving there had been a little crowd watching and as I was leaving I'd finished oh done you know exhausted nearly no voice the president of the Andorran Mountaineering Federation lovely Jamie Esteve who very sadly died this year he came up to me and said would you come to Andorra? Would you come to Andorra and do this for us? And I sort of looked at him and thought, is that a thing? Could I do that? Like, yes. And that's how I knew that I could do this. Katie, can you tell us what exactly you do as a ski mountaineering speaker? What's a typical day? So a typical day for me depends on the race that's happening that day. Uh, individual race is always first thing in the morning. Vertical race and sprint are quite often in the evening. I'm normally up the day before and I've tried to see at least the start and the finish line. Or if I'm only at the finish line, then I only go to the finish line. Uh, I do the briefing alongside the, the technical or the race director or the technical director, whoever from the local organizing committee. I do the race briefing with them. Then I'm up usually about an hour before the race starts, sound checking, chasing up DJs who seem to always just think they have more time than they do. And just getting to see the lay of the land, understand the weather. Uh, sometimes I'm also live streaming, so I've got a screen to check. Um, I'm working sometimes with a co-commentator, for example, in Andorra. It's the perfect example because I know it the best. <laughs> I'm the lead commentator because I'm the official speaker, but also because I'm the speaker that speaks only one language, whereas the co-commentator who speaks two has to follow. I mean, it sounds a bit, I don't mean it sounds so draconian, but what I mean is I speak, I know the the the, the, the sport and the, the athletes, and he then translates and adds in and so on. We work together, we sound check, we talk to the timing people we get our start lists I I tend to like have to have mine the night before because I like to uh, highlight who is a an espoir so that's an under 23 within the senior category because it happens so fast at the end that you can't always tell who's who either we start it off if it's an individual race I do the official start it's part of 
the rules that the official speaker must be at the start for an individual race to make sure that the timings are adhered to. Although I'm not in charge of the timings, the timer and the head of the jury are in charge. I have to announce that to the athletes and the coaches and so on. And then they start and then depend again, depending on the race, whether it's an individual race, I will sometimes get um, times as they are going around the course. But often I'm starting the senior men, the junior men, this junior women usually always start first on a shorter course. And then there's the senior women. So it's all quite frantic at the beginning. These days they've managed it so that the categories more or less come in individually. So the winning senior men, the winning junior women will come in roughly bunched together. Back in the day when I first started, I was getting the junior men finishing in the middle of the senior women. And at the times I've had to apologize for missing somebody coming across the line. <laughs> it's really, so that's how it looks. It's really frantic. It's really exciting. If it's a sprint race, it's full on. It's every three minutes. It's timing sheets and signing off with the jury and really knowing what's happening next and who's coming and what's going on or a relay race where they're one after the other within a team and I find that really exciting. And though Katie finds her job exciting and she's passionate about what she does in the sport, it hasn't come without some challenges. You're a wife, you're a mom, you're the speaker for the ski mountaineering and to do that last one you often have to go away. Is that tricky to balance? Well, as I said earlier, I was a, a, a mum with two very young children and a husband who travels a lot, for not anymore because of COVID, but he travelled a lot for work. And so at the beginning, it was difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was challenging for us as a family. Two young children, a husband who, let's face it, you know, whose salary or whose earnings far surpass whatever I was earning doing a couple of weekends a year. So paying, he's the one that's paying the mortgage. So we had to find a balance of me saying, look, I realize that what I'm doing is not going to pay the bills. It's not going to, but I need this. This is really important for me. I love it. It gives me confidence. It takes me away from just being mummy and it gives me so much pleasure. I'm meeting people, I'm traveling, and I love being at home with my kids. And it's been the biggest privilege of my life to have had that opportunity to have spent so much time with them growing up. But how it impacted my life was that now that they are bigger, they're 11 and 13, I'm getting more and more work. And it is easier and easier for me to go away because they have a better, well, they're older my husband is at home more but also they have a better relationship with their dad because I had to just step away and they had to muddle through and despite the 17,000 things I would put in the freezer which I don't do anymore by the way you know they had to just figure it out for themselves and I don't think they would have had that opportunity and you know we had people helping my mom au pairs and that sort of thing so it was but it's now as I'm coming into the more freedom part of my life where they're growing up I'm not scrabbling around thinking oh my god what am I going to do now I've got I know what I'm going to do I'm doing it and I love it. Katie could you share what learnings had the biggest impact and serve you most in your job? I would say for myself the biggest thing for me was confidence in speaking and 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 I talk a lot as you can probably tell and anyone that knows me would tell you that but 
there's a difference between yakting away when you think no one's listening and being responsible for being the voice of the race. Now, I'm not responsible for the race. I am not in any way responsible for what happens, for penalties that are handed out, for late starts. But I am always the person that people come to if there's a mistake. They come to me straight away. This happened, that happened. Why is this going? Call for that. Do this. I'm the I'm the, the outward face, other than the athletes. But the weird thing is that I'm like the least important person there, but I get this because I'm visible. So there's a confidence in just talking, speaking, being, you know, because they obviously need a certain amount of knowledge about the sport. But if you listen to commentators for all sorts of sports, we all say kind of the same thing. Next up, this. Of course, you'll remember that yesterday or last year, blah, blah, blah. You know, we all use the same stuff and it's just having that confidence. So that would, I would say is the first thing, have confidence in speaking because it's a bit like going to see, if you go and see a play or a a comedian who is self-conscious, there's, oh my God, it's awful. It's toe curling. So rather just have the confidence and make a mistake and go, oh, sorry, than, oh, well, I just wasn't quite sure what I was supposed to say because that's just, that doesn't give anybody a good feeling or a good impression. Having said that, getting to know the sport is really important. Getting to know the athletes, the coaches, the organisers, the federation, the judges, understanding, you know, what are the sort of things, because in every sport, as you know, there's always the little niggles, the things that's not there. You know, understanding who feels, who's feeling on form, who's, you know, what countries are rising up, um, which countries are huge, but are maybe don't have the right grassroots, so they've got no juniors coming through. That sort of understanding that. And also, I'm going to sort of half repeat myself, but understanding that you, it is never, ever about you. It's never about you. Even though you're the one with the microphone and the big voice, you're the least important person there. It's the athletes first, the you know, the committee that have put all the work in. Because that can be a little bit intoxicating. Having a microphone in your hand, you can get a little bit, if you allow it, a bit cocky and, oh, check me out, I'm really funny or whatever. It's never about you. Can you think of a time when you had to remind yourself of this learning? I was quite new to the job and we were in Cambridge, which is in the Pyrenees for a weekend and it was puking snow. I mean, it was one of those mountain days where if you had any sense at all, you would put the fire on and drink tea. And we were out and I had the snow chains on an hour out of Barcelona to get up to the Pyrenees. It was just horrific. And we had a quite a new inexperienced jury the conditions were hard. It had been a replacement event. So just to set the scene, it was a hard weekend for everybody. The conditions were hard. Everybody was nervous. Nobody was quite in the zone. And on the day of the individual race, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say I was up to my knees in snow walking between the start line and the finish line. It was exhausting. And I was all by myself. There was no, I was doing French and English. And my French is very good, but it's I'm not bilingual. It's not my native language, so it's exhausting. Anyway, so the race goes on. It all goes off as planned. 
I think a slightly shortened race if I remember correctly because of the conditions but anyway we come to the end and uh, there'd been this massive fight right to the last centimeter across the line between Kilian Jorney and Damiano Lenzi who was the enfant terrible of ski mountaineering for a while very fiery Italian amazing athlete but quite yeah quite the a character shall we say and they literally crossed the line like ski it was a, almost a photo finish with Lenzi in front Killian Journey behind and then I can't remember one of the other Italians uh, in third and then and so oh great big excitement oh I was roaring into the microphone it's so exciting no 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 and then came the news that there was a penalty Lenzi had been awarded a penalty somewhere up on the mountain which put him down to second the rules of the game are that straight after the event you have to come to the flower ceremony the flower ceremony is where the sponsors are all behind you know on the thing that's where all the photos are taken it's on the thing you know it's out on the mountain it's where the the everything it's a really important thing and it is the rule if you do not turn up to the flower ceremony you don't get you're disqualified that's the end of it so I and the men senior men are always the last announced so you start with the juniors junior women junior men blah 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 and I'm standing there, the puking snow, and it's been a really stressful morning. And I get to the end, I'm thinking, that's it. I've only, I've just got one more ceremony to do. And I announce the third place and he doesn't show. And I'm like, hmm, that's a bit odd. And, you know, as I say, when you're the one with the microphone, you're being bellowed at from all sides. I've got the organizers, I've got the ISMF saying, just call them, call them, call them. So I called the third one and I called second place, Damiano Lenzi, nobody appeared winner Killian Jorney nobody appeared and I was like oh my god and I'm just standing there like this great muppet with, <laughs> with a microphone in my hand going <sighs> and I look behind and behind the the sort of wall with all the sponsors on you know the sort of banner thing the three of them are just going standing there with their arms crossed saying screw you we're not coming and I was just going oh my god I don't know what to do like I was so new and it was so stressful and there's the biggest best known athlete in our industry and and as he went on to be in the world for many things just saying I'm not coming I'm just standing here because I am we're protesting it's a load of old nonsense anyway uh fast forward to the medal ceremony you know they were disqualified that was it they were disqualified trans uh, fast forward to the medal ceremony and then the so the fourth fifth and sixth are shunted up to gold silver and bronze they're all italian so they're all raging (laughs) they come off the stage immediately hand their gold medal to damiano lenzi i mean it's like a whole world of (laughs) you're just thinking oh could it get any better and i'm still there you know the face the voice the standing there trying really hard to, and I can't say anything I'm not allowed to say there was a penalty I'm not allowed to say they used to be the winner but now they're not I just have to read out what is in front of me that's the rules and uh anyway the point of my very long story was it was absolutely mortifying for me but what I realized afterwards that I was not the only person that was suffering you know I was not the only person that was thinking what on earth is going on here how do we manage this how do we do this and what I learned later was that first of all 
It's nothing to do with me, as I said earlier. It's absolutely nothing to do with me. It's not my fault. Nobody's actually looking at me going, useless woman. But I just felt it. As I say, not, it wasn't about me. Although it felt horrifically like it. Did you have a mentor? Did anyone play that role for you to help you navigate this? Not at all. <laughs> not in the slightest. Being a freelance commentator I suspect being like being a freelance in many things you're all in competition there are not many of you and oh, in competition I, that sounds a bit harsh but you know no I had to figure it all out for myself which is why it took quite a long time for the confidence to come and every year now I am the official speaker for the ISMF but then I used to just have to wait till the the calendar came out and I would phone all the individual organizers and say here I am, I speak English, I speak French, I can travel, I'm based in Switzerland, I've done this, this, this and this, do you want me at your event? And they'd say yes or no. And then what happens is a bit like if you go to the hairdresser or a new beautician and you hate what they do, you just don't go back. You don't phone them up and say, well, here's the thing, here's some feedback for you. You just don't use them again. And thankfully, that hasn't happened too often and I like to think it's not because they hated me it was maybe just because I didn't fit their brief but there it's like it's almost like working in a void like you speaking into a void working into a void and that can that did get a bit demoralizing it, it was a very much learn as you go and funnily enough now that I'm more experienced I have and with the advent of um, social media I have been able to contact other commentators other speakers with confidence and say look I've been offered this job roughly what do you think I should be thinking in terms of day rate in terms of my this that or the next thing and because I am been doing it for long enough they are saying oh and they're in different industries they've said yeah no problem let me let's pick up the phone and have a conversation and maybe they would have back in the day but I don't know I don't I don't I feel like I just had to figure it all out by myself being the speaker commenting on a sport event makes you very visible and with this visibility comes assumptions I asked Katie what misconceptions many of us looking in from the outside may have about her job you know you see social media and you see a commentator or a speaker or a presenter and you know the microphone gives this as I said it gives this sort of gravitas it gives this like it's like a power tool like it's people go oh my god that's so cool you must be amazing you must do this really cool job and actually that's not necessarily the case you know there is a lot of hard graft that goes into before that before you pick up the microphone and there's a lot of fear in picking up that microphone and yes you have to be the kind of person that's happy to work through that fear but it can be kind of off-putting even now in the years I've been doing it I look at people that are more uh, visible than I am or more whatever famous for you know the, the amazing commentators like Gabby Logan and Claire Balding and you know and I think oh my God, they're so amazing. They're like in a different league, but they're just doing the same job as me. They've just been doing it longer, better for, for whatever, you know, for, and my, the point I'm trying to make is we're all trying to 
do this job that we love. And having a microphone in your hand doesn't make you any cooler than anybody else or any much, any more amazing than anyone else. But I think that can be quite off-putting for people who might want to get into it. Part of the mission of the series Women in Outdoor Jobs is to share the stories and experiences of women like Katie who successfully made the outdoors their living so that women who want to achieve that for themselves can benefit from their learnings and advice. This is what Katie would say to you if you're considering sports commenting. Just do it. Just really, just do it. You know, I remember when I was in my 20s, I went off to do TV presenter training and I had but I had no money to leave my job to go and do perhaps, you know, one day a week or half a day's work for no money, even less money. And perhaps, you know, not perhaps, the fear was too great. I had rent to pay and so on. And, you know, we don't like to regret things in life and and, I, and it served me well, you know, the stuff I learned then but I look back and I think that was when I was 29 and I did not get into the radio and commentating till I was 40, 39, 40. And although I did some great stuff in between, I think, you know, I'm going to be 50 in the next couple of years. And I think, ah, <laughs> oh, I wasted so much time. <laughs> what could I be doing? So that's sort of slightly generalizing a general point do it do it just do it (laughs) thanks to katie friend for taking the time to talk with me you can find katie on instagram at katie friend and katiefriend.com and katie is a fellow podcaster at chatting to a friend Check the resource listed on our show notes where I've shared one of my favorite episodes where Katie chats with endurance athlete and author Mimi Anderson. Thank you for listening. You can find About That Outdoor Job on Instagram, our website, and a number of podcast listening platforms. You can support our new podcasts by subscribing and leaving us a review. A review makes our podcast more visible so others can discover it as well. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Charlene Janerfeldt.